This is the Clockwise Podcast from the editors of PC World, Macworld, and Tech Hive, recorded Tuesday, January 28th. Clockwise, where the podcast is less than 30 minutes long, or your pizza is free. Welcome back to Clockwise. I am co-host Jason Snell. We're back after a couple weeks off, uh, recovering from the uh, travesty, nightmare, technological insanity that is CES. Uh, we're no longer in a parking lot. We're back in our studio. And joining me as always, when we do a podcast anyway, is my co-host Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. It's, it's, I feel like it's been a while. It has been. Good to be back in the podcast saddle. You, it, new, a new year, yes. You weren't in, in uh, Vegas for CES. So, so welcome to 2014 Clockwise, Dan. It's good to be here. It's good. It's good uh, that you're back, and we are joined in an in a bout of uh, format insanity. We are joined by a guest so massive with his knowledge and talent that we only need one. He's sitting across from me now. It is Philip Michaels. Hello. One, one guest is all you need, and I'm going to pretend that you didn't just call me fat there. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's not what I meant at all. I'm working on it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, here's how this podcast normally works. We normally have four guests and we have uh, four topics and then we discuss them in short order to keep the podcast under half an hour. Dan, do you want to get us started with your topic today? I would love to. Uh, it's very kind of you to offer. Um, well, we we all know, and, and by all of us, I mean everybody in the world, uh, that the Macintosh has celebrated its 30th birthday this past week. Um that's a that's a long time, especially in the technology industry, where you know techno- the the longevity of products is usually measured in f- you know far less than that. So, I want to know from you guys uh, what you think going forward uh, the role of the Mac is, and whether we're going to see it persist for more decades, more years, and like two thousand years, will we all still be using a Macintosh of some sort? Or will we be just, you know, have things in our planted in our brains? I don't know. I would like to hear what you think. Phil, what do you think? I think um, that there is a, a, a place for the Macintosh going forward. Um, but like with all personal computers, that, that space is getting uh, smaller and smaller. There, uh, I like my iPhone. Uh, uh, I like uh, being able to, to uh, look up things on it and, and uh, get mail and, and, and send off uh, lots of little tweets throughout the day. But uh, – I, I don't like I know that some people can write on iOS devices, sit down and do articles and and, and, and that's Th- those sort of thing. people are liars. <laughs> yeah, I don't care for that. When I when I sit down to write something and to do um, uh, work of a of a more substantial nature because nothing I do is substantial, but work that requires a bit more um, uh, effort and thought and and just buckling down and doing something, something that I don't dash off quickly. I kind of like having a computer there. And I think that's the role um, that the Mac really uh, will play going forward. I can't, I can't speak to whether people are going to have things planted in their heads or not. I, I, I would resist that. I will be opposed to the the head implant, yeah. but I, I I think the commute the the computer industry it's it's a, it's becoming a commodity industry um, where uh, it's harder and harder to uh, uh, differentiate between uh, PCs. I think that's where the Mac uh, uh, why the Mac is uh, doing so well in the the current market, which is uh, 
which is shrinking while, while the Mac uh, uh, continues to add market share. And I think one of the reasons is that it actually uh, has a it's not just a disposable product. It actually has carved out a nice space for itself. And the, the tie-ins to the iOS platform don't hurt either. So I, I think there's a place for the Mac. I don't think it's going to go away. I think we'll, 10 years from now, we'll be celebrating the 40th anniversary of the Mac. And it will still be a going concern and and not some, hey, remember remember in the before time when we had computers and, and not these crazy tablets that can do everything? But perhaps Jason feels differently. Nice segue. I did uh, go down to Cupertino last week, and, and this was on my mind when I uh, got to interview some of the Apple executives. Definitely, I was thinking, is the, is the Mac something that's destined for for uh, for great things, or is it going to get merged into iOS and forgotten as we all move forward with our iPads and, and iPhones and get our, our work done that way? And uh, I I like what they said um, because I think in the short term, I mean, what they said is the Mac goes on forever in their view. And I think what they really meant by that is they Apple definitely believes that using a computer with a mouse or a trackpad, a pointing device and a screen and you move a cursor on the screen and click on things is one metaphor. It works for some people for some tasks. They uh, definitely believe and I agree with them that this is not a case where you either use a computer or you use a tablet. Their feeling is people will have computers if they want and tablets too and phones too and they'll move among those devices based on their uh, their needs and their interests and what makes them comfortable. And so what they're really saying is the Mac is one uh, interface that lets you do work and that at the super high end, obviously, it's going to be on a Mac. And at the super low end, it might be on something like an iPhone or an iPad. But in between, it has a lot to do with what you're doing and your personal preference. And um, I think that's why the the Mac and PCs in general will stick around is that for a lot of people that is the the right metaphor um, direct touch on a on a tablet screen still has a lot of work to do to be more powerful as somebody who's tried to edit uh, I edited a clockwise podcast episode on my iPad as a test and I could do it but it was a lot of work uh, way more work than it was for me to do it in logic on a Mac that that'll improve over time but I feel like the Mac um, you know, it's still going to be more efficient for some jobs for some people. Yeah, in the long run, even before we get to the things implanted in our brain, Dan, I think that uh, we're, you know, my kids are growing up with, they're use, they know how to use a Mac, but the, the touch stuff is so uh, innate for them that I feel like uh, over time, the computer desktop metaphor is going to become the province of old people. Because we will be the old people and then we will be gone and so will the need for those devices. But I think it's more likely to happen like that where there just are new generations that don't don't feel the need to choose that metaphor to get work done. And so then they won't use them anymore rather than this – there be a momentous you know, time when everybody who's ever used a computer before just sort of watches as they get swept away because no one needs them anymore. Put them on the ice flows. Yeah, yeah, I don't to, have uh, to see. That would be very environmentally unsound. <laughs> yeah, there's to, lots of lead and stuff. And let, well, modern systems are more recyclable. They'll be nice down at the bottom of the sea. And the fish to to paraphrase uh, Walt Kelly, the cartoonist, we have met the old people and they are us. 
They are us, and they are, in, and you can pry that mouse out of their cold, dead hands. Apparently. Well, so it's interesting because I, now I wrote an, an op-ed on you know the next thirty years of the Mac uh, and kind of what I was thinking, and, and there was some pushback on that. I, I got into arguments both with colleagues and with people on the internet because apparently people on the internet like to argue about things. What? Uh, I know nah, sounds, sounds implausible to me uh, about whether or not we would be celebrating you know uh, a Mac anniversary in. You know, I, I think the Mac sticks around. I, I think it's, it's you know, having survived 30 years, I think it does survive longer than this. I don't think anybody's throwing away a computer right now. Um, but, you know, I, I also think that perhaps we are closer to the end of the Mac's lifetime than to the beginning of it. Um, because we can't predict so much of the advances, uh, so many of the advances that we're likely to see. I mean, if you think about just four years ago, you know, when the iPad came out, there were so many people who were like, what the hell is the point of this thing? No one's ever going to use this, you know, and, and, you know, people were laughing over it's, oh, it's a big iPod touch. Nobody is laughing today because the iPad is everywhere. Um, and so it's, you know, looking forward at the evolution of the iPad over the last four years and seeing how that extrapolates out into the future, I think the iPad becomes more and more capable. And of course, you know, with Apple, as with any company, it's about customers, it's about consumers, it's about what they want. So if the iPad, you know, can do a lot of what most customers want, then I, I think that can, you know, continues to sell more and and I think you're you know to the point of using multiple devices. I think that's true in a lot of scenarios, um, but I think you know there are a lot of people who don't need a full computer, uh, and I think that as we go on and the iPad gets more and more capable, I think the number of people who do not need a full computer will probably increase. Well, one of um, the things that I talked about with the the executives was. Um, it's it's funny because Phil Schiller said something about it, and it, and and it was something similar to what I had said earlier, which is, you know, the, the, is the pressure off the Mac? And Phil Schiller said absolutely that when people are using the iPad and the iPhone to do all of these th- tasks we used to think of as computing tasks, that actually takes the pressure off the Mac. It doesn't need to be all things to all people. People who don't want to use a, com- a traditional computer don't have to, but that also makes that computer not have to cater to them, which is kind of interesting that computers may end up changing because they're not needed by regular people sure, who just need absolutely. to use web and email anymore. I mean, you look at something like the Mac Pro, and that's a great example yeah. of, well, that applies to a very specific it's market, not right? Yeah. Not everybody is buying, running out and buying a Mac Pro. Um, so, you know, I, I think the tendency for technology is to become smaller and more personal. Uh, and I think in the same way that desktops have largely given way to laptops, um, you know, certainly people still have desktops, but I think, you know, certainly the vast majority of computers that Apple sells these days are laptops. Um, and in the same way we've seen that progression, I think there's a progression towards things like tablets and smartphones. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think you guys are right that in 10 years we'll still be using Macs, but we start getting to like 20, 25, 30, you know, I'm starting to wonder if there isn't, you know, either the Mac changes so much that it's not the same thing that we've seen today. Because after after all, we and Jason, I think both you and I wrote about this, the Mac today is so similar in some ways to the Mac 30 years ago. Yeah. You know, you're still seeing drop-down menus. And I went and played with... Uh, do you, do you play with the there was an emulator online for yep. like a Mac Plus, and it's like wow, this is you know you, it's not hard to draw a straight line from that point to the point we're at today, um, so, and that's incredible in some ways. So here's the thing about those emulators because I, I I downloaded a Mac emulator too on the Mac's birthday last week, and um, 
Uh, and then you can yes, the the computers today are so powerful you can you can emulate an old Mac in JavaScript in a browser, which is crazy. And that yeah. that actually gave me some thought that. Um, Apple doesn't really believe in the whole uh, Microsoft Surface approach or Windows 8 approach of it's a tablet and then you attach a keyboard and you flip over and now you're in desktop mode. Apple believes like to every every device should have its own metaphor and its own purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet when I was using that uh, that emulator, I did give some thought to the fact that in 10 years I will probably be on an iPad that will be able to emulate a Mac so if I if I want to attach a keyboard and a mouse, it won't work on the iPad, but it'll work in the emulator that runs on the iPad to make it look like a Mac. And that's just it's funny to think of the Mac experience today and think, yeah, in in ten years that'll be one of these old computer curiosities that we run in emulation and go, oh, look at that, remember that? Um, right, kind well, of puts it to, in perspective. To the point of Apple products, you know, the same thing uh, could be said about you know. 13 years ago, the iPod was a going concern. And nowadays, the iPod isn't doing as well as it used to be because consumers aren't buying it. And so, you know, there may be a point at which the Mac is ending up very much like the iPod. Say, speaking of the iPod, Apple's financial results were just released. And I think, Phil, weren't you going to talk about uh, something iPod and financial related? That's correct. Um, Apple had its uh, quarterly earnings uh, announcement on Monday of this week. This is the uh, three-month period that covers holiday shopping. So it's when Apple uh, Apple generally uh, does a gangbusters report and uh, more of the same this time around. Though, you know, um, record iPhone sales are disappointing is an actual headline that you can find in a, in newspapers around the country. We've sold more. We've so- sold more iPhones than we ever have before. Oh, really? <laughs> say people. Oh, that's, that's cute. Is not um, big enough. But uh, I did want to talk about the iPod, uh, which a uh, bit of a blemish on Apple's earnings, a bit of a bit of a drain on Apple's revenue, uh, according to no less a source than Apple itself. Um, iPod sales, I believe, fell 52 percent. From the same period last year. From the holiday quarter last year. Yes, 52% year over year. And part of uh, – of course they're going to fall because Apple, the, 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 the product line has, has, has peaked and it's, it's petering out. But 52% is a big drop. I believe the, the comparable drop from uh, fiscal year uh, – the 2012 to 2013, the drop was in the neighborhood of uh, 20%. Mm. Uh, so – it's accelerating. And I, I guess the question that I have for you, Dan Morin, is what is the way forward, if any, for the for the iPod? Does this mean my 20th anniversary iPod celebration in, in 2021 is, is on hold? Wow. Yeah. Uh, I would not go out and buy, you know, monogrammed napkins or what have you for well, your celebration. Well, there, there goes that deposit. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I, as speaking as someone who's owned about uh, a million and a half iPods in the last <laughs> 10 years, I mean, there was a point where there was, you know, not only a new iPod every year, but a, multiple new iPods every year. And this past year, we didn't really see that for the first time ever. And so, you know, a big part of what they attributed the drop to is the, or, or at least what some sources have attributed that drop to is there were no new iPods to bolster sales in the holiday quarter. Um, and that's not nothing. But at the same time, you got to consider that the, the vast majority of what we're seeing in iPod sales, um, you know, we've got a shuffle, which is pretty low priced. 
a Nano, which has been a bizarre product that they haven't exactly figured out what to do with over the last five years. Uh, the iPod Touch, which is basically just an iPhone. Uh, and then, you know, an iPod Classic, which everybody is like, why won't you die? Yeah. Um, and that's a weird lineup, especially when almost all of those things can be duplicated by an iPhone, an iPad, a Mac, or some combination thereof, right? This is truly one of those examples of there's really very little reason to buy an iPod and not buy, say, you know, an iPhone or an iPad. I mean, I think even the iPod Touch, which for a long time made a handy thing for kids or what have you, I think even that, the iPad Mini has has yes. horned in on that territory. Um, so it's it's a tough proposition to say, why should I spend this much money on something where I could spend a little bit more and have something that does a whole bunch more? Yeah, I think the uh, the iPod, we have seen the heyday of the iPod. It it probably isn't coming back. But on the good side, that means Apple might finally be able to use that name for something else. Yeah, so that, I was going to say that. Uh, first, first off, um, it is interesting. Yeah, the classic is still around, but you could get, I don't know, if you're a DJ, 128-gigabyte uh, iPad for your DJing instead, and you can actually do the DJing right on the iPad, and it's probably got apps that'll give you better control and crossfades and stuff like that instead of doing it with a mixer. That that We're finally at the point, the point where that product is probably uh, at an end. The Nano, you're right, they can't really figure out what to do with it. iPhones are getting so light now that I'm not really sure, and sensors are coming into pl- to play. So even as a fitness device, it's a lot less appealing. Kids are using iPads, so the iPod Touch is not. I, I absolutely agree. Kids today. The low, well, I mean, you get that original iPad mini that's still out there with non-retina. My son is using my old one now, and, you know, I, I fail to see the need for for the iPod Touch. Uh, it's I think it's only a, what, you, a fifty dollar price, and difference? you're paying for miniaturization uh, of things that don't need to be miniaturized, essentially. And uh, you get a bigger screen, and you get tablet apps, and all that. But Dan, you you hit on you hit on it. Um, I do think that it the beautiful thing about the name iPod is not only do people remember it and it's and, and it's resonant, but um, it doesn't mean anything. It is like a right, container right. for stuff. It is a, a an electronic pod. It's a it's a thing that that cool stuff is in that's technological and it does something. And it's just it's totally vague. And uh, when we are we've been talking about the uh, uh, wearables and the iWatch and all of that, and, and just as when the iPad uh, came out, I thought and we were debating what it was going to be called. I thought maybe they would call it the iBook, and it turned out they they made iBooks the book software and recycled that product from being a laptop to being book software. I look at the iPod name and think maybe that's what the iWatch is called is it's iPod. Or it's, the iPod is something that you swallow. It's like a, a smart pill. <laughs> yeah, I they, pill. And they recycled the iCards and turned it into co. Oh, yeah, so, that oh, didn't work out so, so but sad. No, I mean, I think that that I would not be shocked if the uh, if the Apple wearable watch like device is called iPod or is called iPod something, and um, and that that is the resurrection of the name iPod. But the iPod as we know it, yeah, there's kind of no place for it anymore. And if you look at the revenue chart, uh, it used to be the holiday quarter was like the heart beat and it would sell a lot and then it would go down and if it was a heartbeat then the patient is about to die on the table because <laughs> that that is a very faint heartbeat and now. i don't imagine phil schiller is going to leap up on the patient clear and, the live. ipod goes on forever i i've known you to be many things ipod but never a quitter live, live damn you live no, no not gonna happen <laughs> um <laughs> I, I think we've we've kind of uh, uh, laid out Apple's plan for them here, if they're listening, that uh, uh, those who want basically all the functionality of an iPhone without the phone bit, 
are going to uh, are going to go for the I- iPad Mini. Yeah, and uh, those who want a um, a device that they want to do uh, ex- that they want to exercise with. I don't like taking my phone when I uh, on those rare occasions that I exercise. So uh, maybe there's a wearable or watch or something well, that I take my phone, but I tuck it in somewhere, and then I've got a Bluetooth sensor or a remote on a watch or something like that. Right? Yeah. 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 These are these are devices so niche now that there may be no point in having them. Right. And if the Apple TV is 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 Apple's hobby. The iPod really needs to be less than a hobby. Yeah, it's the I, hobby it had in high school, right? Yes. And it's like eh, maybe you don't do that anymore. Yeah, that's it's the it's hobby on the shelf. You you put it up in the attic in the the cardboard box, and occasionally you 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 look out and say, "Hey, remember when we um, yeah, totally your, ruled the MP3 market?" Good. Times. Your mom throws away your cardboard box of iPods that's no, in her attic for good ten times. years. Yeah, you've ruined it. But yeah, is this some sort of Apple podcast? Surely there are other companies we can talk about. Yes, let's Jason let's Snell. indeed. It was there was a lot of Apple stuff going on, but let's talk about uh, Google uh, because why not? And I, what I'm not going to talk about is Google attaching uh, Google Glass. That's our boat. That's our fourth topic for Elijah is <laughs> attaching Google Glass to uh, actual eyeglasses um, so that people like me who require eyeglasses to see could wear Google Glass. I was really hoping it would make them look less goofy. Less, yes. Nope. Not goofy. <laughs> nope. Still goofy. Just less goofy than before. Um, although their their video is great because it's full of beautiful models, proving that beautiful models look less goofy when wearing goofy eyewear <laughs> than goofy people. Thanks, Google. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. Google is taking control of the heat in my house. They may be watching me right now. Um, uh, Googlebot Nest maker of smart thermostats uh, run by Tony Fidel, the guy who invented the iPod, in fact. So it's like all these 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 are connected. They're interconnected. It's strange. Wow. So um, I, I'm curious what you guys think about this. I think what what's interesting about it is that Nest, uh, we can debate the the specifics of the Nest's uh, thermostat product and their fi- and their uh, smoke alarm product, but certainly Nest seems to have generally been uh, considered a company that was bringing smart home technology to the market in a way that was not super nerdy, but that regular people could use and appreciate and like. And I love my Nest thermostat. Um, I, I it's it looks great and it does the job and it's got some nice extra features because it's smart. Um, but then Google buys it, and I wonder what you guys think about that. Does that, uh, you know, does that turn you off about Nest? Do, what and what does that make you think about the future of smart home um, devices? Phil, what do you think? Uh, my wife was uh, looking at getting a Nest for our home, and when Google bought it, those plans were tabled. Aww. Uh, maybe I, I don't think it's realistic that they're going to do anything. I think that product is still going to be around and be fine. I, I'm sure that it will be. It's it's more a reflection of the. Um, of how you feel about Google right now. And maybe five years ago, we would have been very excited to, uh, to let Google into our homes in, in that way. I'm not, feeling, I'm not feeling a lot of warmth to- toward Google between the, the clumsy way that they uh, keep trying to force Google Plus on me in all their products, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, that there's that 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 spot of bother involving the NSA, uh, and you know when you use a search engine or you use an email client, you're you're 
sort of uh, there's an implicit understanding that maybe there shouldn't be an implicit understanding but hey i'm typing these thing these uh, search terms into a into a browser uh, there's a possibility i, I i've given up a, a certain amount of privacy but when i go into my home at night and lock the door and turn on the heat i don't really want that data going into other people's hands. And Google just doesn't, to me, have a track record of seeing its customers as anything else other than uh, marks at a carnival, if I may be frank. Um, perhaps Dan Warren feels differently, but uh, the, the, the Google getting into the home automation game makes me even more resistant to home automation than I was at the start of this month. I think the question for, you know, when it comes to Google is always what kind of company is Google? You know, what does mm. Google make? Right. And at the end of the day, they're an advertising company. I mean, yes, the most the thing they're most prominently known for are things like search and email, but they don't make money off search and email except for via advertising. Um, and that then you start to wonder, well, why buy a company that makes home automation products? If you're not into, I mean, it's one thing, you know, Apple makes products that people buy and use. Google makes stuff that they often give away for cheap or free to get people to use them and thus see ads. So how does something like Nest fit into that strategy? And that's what I can't quite figure out. I believe that they like the idea of it and, and like the idea of the connected home and think it's it's innovative and all that. But I can't quite figure out why. <laughs> and, and you know, to Phil's point, that, that makes me a little bit worried because if they want to buy this company, it suggests to me that they have some idea about how to integrate it into their, their ecosystem or their product. Um, and so far, Google has not been a company that traditionally sells a lot of its own products. I mean, even with Glass, you know, what it's doing is selling essentially a prototype to some people. We haven't really seen what happens when Google, to you know, beautiful, beautiful models, beautiful, yeah. beautiful models. That's a, that's a, it's a good <laughs> it's a market. niche market. Um, but, you know, even with, they bought Motorola and they're still, you know, not even quite using that in, in terms of selling Google products to people. I mean, it's. It's an odd choice. Um, and so, you know, the, the, what we're kind of left to fall back on is the idea that, as Phil is suggesting, this data is interesting to them in some way. And even if it doesn't mean like, oh, ads are going to pop up on your thermostat, uh, which sounds hellish. Um, we noticed you, know, you were chilly. Why don't you buy this yeah. sweater? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what, what is their end game here? And, and I think that's the question to me. And that's I, I certainly like the idea. I was sincerely interested in getting one for my father because my father really likes, you know, tinkering around with he's got like a programmable thermostat. But like part of me is like, oh, this would be way easier and be so nice. But, you know, I definitely think twice about this idea of well what is what are what is google going to be doing with all that data and you know what am i what am i getting him into uh so yeah i don't know i'm, I'm not terribly sanguine about it i guess uh and though I, I i rent an apartment right now so i can't exactly rip out my thermostat and put it in a new one so uh, i wasn't a potential customer but uh i was interested and now i'm, I'm feeling a little bit more cautious and wary but you know we'll, we'll see where they go from here I far be it for me to defend Google, but I, I'm going to try to understand them at least, which is I think there are two Googles. I think you're right that Google makes their money from advertising largely, and I think you're right that Google really wants data. 
I don't know. I mean, they are connected in the sense that advertising is fed by data. But I think that I think that actually maybe what's happening is that there are these two Googles. There are the Google. There's the Google that makes money. That's the cash engine, and that is the Google that funds the other Google. And the you know the the ad sales people and the lawyers are in charge of that Google. And then there's the other Google, which is really where you know Larry is focused and Sergey is focused, and that is the the Google of self-driving cars and robots and artificial intelligence and moon probes for all I know contact and, lenses that can uh, monitor your glucose yes, levels yes and and I think that's the google who bought nest and I think this is the google who believes that um can, uh, understanding and, and cataloging all the world's information is the, its ultimate goal I really think that maybe the google strategy is um we built semi-accidentally a business that throws off massive amounts of money. The the web advertising market is not going to last forever. Let's take the billions that we're making and throw it into all these other crazy projects so that when that part of our life is over, Google has invested all that money in new technologies that will change the world and organize the world's information and they'll move on from being a text ad company on the internet to being something else whether it's uh, medical stuff to make us immortal or self-driving cars or murderous robots that kill us all or, or whatever. All three. And I feel like the Nest investment is part of that. Now does it make sense? Maybe not. Will it work? Maybe not. But I feel like it's part of that uh, approach for Google which is more information can't be bad and I also think that Google realizes that it needs some expertise in building um, if, if they're going to get into home technology building home technology that isn't super you know crazy nerdy stuff but actually a product you could buy at Home Depot and this is a Nest is a high tech product that you can buy at Home Depot and that is easy to install and easy to use and um, Google needs some hardware engineering with that knowledge too so that's my that's my take on it. All right, we are out of time. Your pizza is something you're going to have to pay for your, yourself because we're not going to do it. I'd like to thank our guest, Philip Michaels. Thank you for being our one guest. Thank you. It's uh, th- This is my dream to be <laughs> You've done the, the work of two guest. men. Yes, exactly. That's a lot of heavy lifting. And uh, Dan, good as always to have you. It's a pleasure as always to be here, Jason. Until next time from all of us here at Clockwise, remember, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye. Now.